Hello, and welcome to the No Good Poetry Podcast. Each week we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of poetry. This is episode 47 with Joseph Makos and Joseph Bievenu. This is the good, bad, and the ugly, isn't it? There's some ugly shit out there, kids. Let's make the world safer for poetry. So, today we have with us publisher, bookmaker, writer himself, Peter Anderson. Hello. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for being here. Ron, Robert Street today. Yeah, New Orleans. Haven't been here in a little while. Where uh, the neutral grounds are dirty with uh, mid previous week carnival bees as we approach the carnival. Oh, I thought you were talking about. The neutral ground for a second. The neutral ground, which is no, only a few blocks ground. away. Yeah, that's not far. <laughs> True. Yeah, you're you're kind of nestled right back in this little enclave back here. There's a bunch of little things hidden back in this neighborhood, and not so far from like where some of these books were printed too at the beauty shop. Oh that's yeah, really so yeah, we're not far like, from, uh, from the old dreads. <laughs> I know. I mean, and that, yeah, the neutral ground was like kind of a meeting spot for a lot of people that uh, I don't know. A lot of the poets that I met and got to know later on. Where I, yeah, I think, I don't know, did I meet? Thaddeus took me there, and that's where I think I met Dave Brinks. And Maybe Jimmy Ross. And I don't even know if that's where I met Dave. I think I may have met David at um, Terrence's Gallery as well. Yeah, that's possible. I do remember Thaddeus was definitely hosting that Neutral Ground Poetry Reading at the time, back when that was somewhat of a, somewhat of a popular minor yeah. poetry reading, you know? Yeah, it seemed like there were a lot of people there. So it was like, it was... Um, the reading at the gold mine and the reading there. Danny would go to the neutral ground a lot, right? Yeah, he would. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Danny would go there, and then it was it was what Maple Leaf, Neutral Ground, and uh, Gold Mine. Yeah. Those were the spots that. Yeah. That's when I first got to the city. That's where I'd go, and I'd kind of like sit in the back, like checking out the poetry scene, <laughs> seeing all these people, and I'm like, I like I didn't that basically trying to to print stuff was the way that I got to know any of the people. Once I started telling like. <laughs> Once I started telling people that I'm like I'm printing, then that's when I started to know poets because any poet that knows that you print books, yeah, wants to get to know you instantly. <laughs> like you're instantly their best. They're like, "Hey, what's up, man?" Hey, look, I ju- I mean, I I mean, I'm not you know I'm not running full letterpress books like like we're here today to talk about, but it I mean it, it happens to me still, you know. No, of like, course. Everyone knows I have this like this like yeah. digital press in my shop. They're like. Yeah, digital pressure shop. Can you do? Can you do? Can you do screen for screen print? Can you do this? Can you do some copies? Can you make a book? Can you, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just finished a book yesterday. It's a some um, musical ballads for a girl who did a uh, a um, collaboration with some musician. You know, just like running off fifty copies of her book. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's like a friend of the, the printer. This is interesting. That's an interesting topic, actually. The the printer as the friend of the poet. Yeah. Right. There's like a long tradition with that. Yeah, I mean, I I'm trying to remember the guy's name. Mm-hmm. What um, there there's a guy who print, made a book called Printing It. Okay. And he kind of his last name's Burke, but he was in San Francisco, and this the whole book was sort of about like guerrilla printing, basically doing it any way that you could. He ran a letterpress shop. He ran a shop kind of like what you're running right now. Sure. And yeah. Just everybody would come to him, and everybody was like looking for methods to put out their own stuff, do flyers record labels, whatever it was that they could do. And so he wrote this sort of definitive guide on how to do that. And cool. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's interesting. I Like, I when I read through that, I think about, like, my I'm, like, doing letterpress and stuff like that. And in some ways, that was super fun, but in some ways, it costs you. 
like because there's so much effort and so much time <laughs> going into it wow. you lose a little bit of like the eclecticism that comes in like having a shop where you can knock stuff out a little quicker and do some oh work. definitely you know i uh yeah no it's like one of those things it's like um you know i guess i just don't want to be taken for granted because like people you know people will like come to me oh oh while i'm here i'm picking up my book and i scan this and can we run this and do this too and i'm like yeah i do this for a living like yeah. don't take advantage of my services yeah. yeah like if you really value who i am then you should like give me a little money for the hour mm-hmm. i just spend your project you well, need, you when need I, to get a receptionist or something. Yeah, receptionist. <laughs> when I when I talked to John Sinclair, uh, yeah. we did an episode with John. You know, it was yeah. kind of a, you know some ramblings of John Sinclair. He's going to be here. Uh, he's probably here now actually because he's usually here for uh, Mardi Gras day. You can see. Him. And he's doing a reading he's next doing a reading, month. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. He's doing a reading yeah. at the end of the month. At the end, at the end, end of this of month. Okay, yeah. I was thinking. I'd like to go check that out. Month. Yeah. Um, but he was like, you know, I was like talking to him about the Mimeo Revolution and you know how. Oh yeah, you know, like call Ed Sanders knows everything. Call Ed, he knows everything about that. And it's like, well, how did it work? He's like, how do you think it worked? Uh, we just get a, we go get a couple cases of beer, a case of paper, a pack of Mimeo stencils, <laughs> a couple good typewriters, go down to someone's basement, and by the morning we'd have a hundred books. Yeah, <laughs> basically, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, that's. I mean, that's exciting too, yeah, right? It's exactly. like, uh, it's like someone yeah. typing up the poems on the Mimeo. Yeah, it's the same thing now. People can, like, record their song and put it on YouTube and, like, you know, and then all of a sudden you've got a music video out there. Or, like, you got music out. Like, anything that you can do quick and not have somebody, like, be an intermediary for you is kind of exciting. So what is the, like, so then what is the advantage of the slowness of letterpress, do you think? Well, I mean, I, I like the letterpress stuff just because of the aesthetic. I'm, and there, there's, you know, on a personal level and sort of selfishly, it was really nice because when I got, like, I was picking people that I liked their work. And then, you know, you kind of read through their work and the whole process of setting the type and getting things ready. It's very intimate. You kind of get to know the poems. You know what you want to do with the poem. Yeah. Like, you're gradually constructing. So, in, in that way, it's really fun to, like, like by the end of the process of making this book, you feel like you've gone through something. Usually things don't go right. It's difficult, <laughs> right? You have some mistakes. You lose some paper and stuff like that. But at the end, like, you've gone through it and you know the work really well and yeah that was kind of like that that's the part and then I like i kind of feel like um as far as the poets that i got to work with it's like most of them seem very excited to get the actual copy and like yeah. have their work treated like it was like you know treat it with deep respect and that was like absolutely was yeah, absolutely there's a there's a there's a certain as a as a as a bookmaker i strive for an intimacy yeah of the work and like, I've done things where people have sent me a manuscript, you know, 50 pages long, and I'll read through it, and I'll just, I'll, I'll, pull, out, I'll pull out 20, and yeah. I'll say, these 20, I have a vision for the book. Yeah. And then usually, the car, it's usually like, go for it, you know? Yeah. It, some, every once in a while, it's like, nah, I don't like that, you know, I'm going to pull it and just do something different. But, every, you know, it's like someone sent me, like, a, a big manuscript, I'll, like, read through it, and, and then I'll, I'll, I'll have a vision for, like, oh, these 12 poems will make a chapter, these... These pieces will, and then and then from there, you know, and, and I, I'm I'm sure you maybe you can attest to this, but you know sometimes when you make a book, you compose it from like the paper up as opposed to the work down. You know, like yeah, it's like yeah. oh I have this cool paper, or like yeah. you've been holding this nice stack of paper and like <laughs> waiting to make a book out of it, and it happens kind of in both directions. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. that's I mean like David's book um, Salamander, just the the um, Salamander splitting the word asunder. That thing like. 
You know, I I had a sense that I wanted to do. I wanted to use that kind of paper. I use Zircle, which I, I you know, it's it's a, a printer's choice kind of paper. I was like, oh, it's just so yeah, beautiful. yeah. And when Don't you finish, when you go in it, it just it feels nice. Everything about it feels feels wonderful. And I and then I had this guy um, monotype set the book in Dante because that's the typeface. That oh, I, I remember it. Dante, yeah. And then I can't remember the other typeface that I got for the for the cover, but they were ended up not liking it <laughs> so, so then I had to go with uh, with that which I think it's just like Trojan black but as like but that. as I recall because I kind of remember looking at that cover with you yeah. I kind of I think I know that was not your original attention but I think the cover came out better ultimately well, than you know yeah the, the original cover, concept the, the original the original concept was gonna be it probably like it was a very like it was a gothic black letter yeah yeah typeface and now it's a sans serif face and it I think that like and David probably wasn't wrong because it was it was gonna be a little bit too ostentatious right it was like it was we wanted it to be something that people weren't intimidated by in any way but like I stole. I always like this. I always like this cover. It gets to play off of the. the and it's missing. The, a, it's missing a line too. Yeah. Right? It should have one more. Oh, the black. It yeah. should have top one more. Should say salmon should, should black. Yeah, I just noticed that. Yeah, I just noticed that. Have it one would, more line. <laughs> uh, David. David points that out to me on occasion when I see him. But um, that took me. I went through. I ran that through the press twenty times. Ugh. Because the the body of the type was too big. Oh, so you had. So I had to. I had to go down because it wouldn't. It wouldn't be that close. I mean, now I would just order a polymer plate with those two things. Those two and, things, and, yeah. And but it's it it's just great. I mean, the the how it plays off the red and black cover stock is wonderful. You know, yeah. and I don't know that if you had less color. I mean, having that repeated thing lets that color really be yeah stand out and really repeat what's going on with the with the. Well, it's, with and the, it's it also worked for that book, so like that poem perfectly because it starts out. With the letter S, yeah, and yeah. The, the letter S is the steam heat, right? It's like steam heat seeds, right? And it sets the wheel in motion. And so, so yeah, so I don't think like that's a mistake for it to start with a with a red S. I think that kind of makes sense. Yeah, I mean, but, it, it, yeah. like I look at it on occasion, like if it's sitting up and I want to make that perfect triangle, like two. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It bothers me when I look at it <laughs> sometimes. The artist, yeah, the art, yeah, right. But like, and then there's like, and then also you can see at the back of the book. There's the half. There's the half title page. Oh yeah, ends yeah. up at the back of the book, and that was because I totally made a mistake. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that one. I, I, I reversed it, <laughs> but fortunately, the poem's supposed to be circular, and it's supposed to so it's okay. All over yeah, yeah. So like, the, yeah, I, I forgot that that happened. That yeah, it's so there again. It, I was like, <laughs> I like the paper. No one would ever know that if you hadn't said that. They would just be right. like, "That was intentional." Yeah, I mean, it I wanted of, to repeat the title again. Yeah. And the cauliflower. <laughs> no, I, I actually, that looks fine. Yeah, I felt all right about it. Yeah, it's actually like, it's actually good because it's like the title again. Lately, lately, I've been doing. Um, if if someone comes to me for a design of an art book or mm-hmm. something, I put I put uh, I put everything in the back. Okay. Just the cover. You get the cover. You get the cup. You get the title again, and yeah. then you just start. I just start right into the book. Okay. I try to put all that like information in the back. Because okay. I feel like sometimes yeah, yeah. it stops you. Like any book you have on the shelf here, in this poetry books here, occasionally you'll have a book that just goes right into the book, you know. But like most publishers have these sort of constraints of like where the information needs to be. But as I do art book style things, yeah. I think I'm, I've been putting more in the back, which makes so sense because then it's like, book, yeah, you know, yeah. 
And it's, it's, it's not nice. as distracting. You yeah. can have just like a couple of end sheets, right? Like I always feel like you open up the cover and you get a couple of end sheets and it's kind of like, it's like you're setting the stage, you're like yeah. walking into the theater and then you're there in the book, right? And that's great. If you put every all the information in the back, you're not like distracting anybody. They're just like getting into the mood of whatever. Everyone skips book. that anyway, unless they want to find out the information. They just go yeah. straight to the book and yeah. it's like, well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so you have a you have a spread here. We have a, we, we're going to put some pictures of this stuff oh, yeah. cool. uh, on, yeah. on the on the site for people who are listening yeah. um, to see uh, some pieces here. You've got some books by Bien, Joseph Bienvenu uh, and David and Thaddeus, and you have this um, labor of love. I mean, this looks like an extremely complicated uh, yeah. thing that you pulled off here. That's kind of you know in the vein of so Dorado magazine, which Dorado. we talked about. This is number two. Yeah. Even though it had nothing to do with the episode, David and I talked about it quite a bit because he because well we were talking about Billy Childish and so we yeah. talked about it a bit in that episode. But well, uh, and that book that one really was a struggle like all around just because like at that I had my printing press in the apartment that I was living in <laughs> and then um, I started to print it and then my landlord moved next door and his fiance was studying for the bar. And so I was printing in the back. And so she's, she calls, uh, she calls. What's that noise? Calls my landlord and starts saying, they're making so much noise in the back. So I get a call from him and they're like, he's like, Lindsay's studying for the bar. You really need to knock off whatever noise you're making. And I'm like, oh, well, this isn't going to work. And so we, we met this guy, Barry Bailey, who's a sculptor and a painter. He used to, I think he was like, he had some, he did some stuff for the CAC. He may have been like one of the early curators. Are you talking when you were on Spain? Uh, no, I was no. I was on Toledano. Yeah. I, was on, on Toledano I was on Toledano. But okay. so we, David and I, like pretty much like cover a darkness. Like got the press, wheeled it out of my house, and buried. Uh, oh just yeah, that's right. Down the street and, yeah, yeah. and he had like a like a little slave quarter that he lived in, and then there was this big house, but it was just the roof was like all messed up. There was no electricity. <laughs> the windows were knocked out, and that's where I was. There was an extension cord that ran into the Oh, my back. God, that's hilarious. And I had just like a little light, and straight cats were coming in. And he was so like, you were squatting. I was squatting. So the first couple of nights when I was printing, I left the paper out there, and then I came back, and then there were cat paw prints all over all the sheets that I had printed. So then I started, like, I had to carry the paper back and forth. There were cat paws. Cat paws. All That's over. funny. And then he just like he would let like he was really he was he was in a, a character for sure, and he was drinking a lot at that time. And so he would come like back into the studio at all hours and just kind of harass me and like give me grief. And and then he let a couple of homeless people stay in the building while I was printing. <laughs> <laughs> they must have been very confused. Oh. They were like, "What is this guy with the?" Printing press yeah. doing in this abandoned house. One of the one of the guys was like gigantic. He was like he must have been like six four, six five, and he looked like Andre the Giant to me. And he would just stand at the doorway and watch me print. I was just really, really uncomfortable the whole time. I would occasionally like hand him like a root beer or some snacks or whatever just to make sure that he was on my side. I mean, yes. so this was the second issue of Dorado. Yeah. And I wanted to do something. I don't know why, what it is. I was looking at these books. For some reason, all the books basically that are brought with, I guess with the exception of yours, have lines. Somehow yeah. There's like yeah. a line or a bar. Keep it going. Yeah, I was just going to comment on the, imperf- the the perfection of imperfection and so, the idea uh, that you, you know, you sort of have these like red fields 
um, that you did for the names, uh, the trip, you know, the each chat sort of section with the names, and then yeah, I just love, you know, I love the the sort of distressed look of um, the bars that go across the pages, and yeah. each copy is probably different. And you know, yeah, I, yeah. I notice this a lot in graphic design these days. I notice that uh, I notice that people really try to fake letterpress. Yeah, you know, yeah, we're, yeah. we're like we're like, and it, it, it like irks me. You know, yeah, like, yeah. where you like you see the A and and it's distressed the same way in every A, and you're like ah, oh! and you can tell. But there is a reemergence and reassurgence of of um, sort of like the look of letterpress or mm-hmm. the look of old typeset, yeah, or the look of old logos like 1920s sort of timeless like logos. And this sort of thing is still very much in, and I would say not even still very, very much in. Like it's the it's like super hip and mainstream now. Like yeah. this specific look and this and this thing that people want to go for. That's a distressed thing, but it's a digitally printed thing. Well, know? and that's what I mean. And I do really like that in this in this issue of Dorado. It's it's very simple in a nice way, mm-hmm. but it's but it's got some kind of more minimalist aspects of modern book design. But it gets to do that while ha- I think because it being letter pressed, it makes it more interesting, right? It is it is minimal, but there are those variations. There are those things where you're like, yeah. okay, well, it's minimal on some level, but you can really sit there and get lost in the texture of of the various elements on the page, which is nice. Yeah, no, I really that one I like a lot, and it's like you're talking when you look at the lines going through there. I mean, it's you know, like when you're using the rule. Sometimes it just gets bent as yeah. you're using Google. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like some of those just got bent. And sure. like and you know, I had It's ostensibly straight but not perfectly not so perfect. yeah, and yeah. I'm just yeah. like yeah. trying to straighten it out a little bit. And then, you know, some of the thicker rule like had chips out of it. So some of the pieces have like and you know, occasionally there would be like a piece of cat hair that might get caught in something so a lot like None of the books that I ever did were like free from little trip ups like that, which is which is great. I mean, I always like that. Yeah. Um, and then who, uh, who, 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 who's, who's is this? I forget. Oh, that's David. That's David. That yeah. was one thing that I did. I scanned that in and made a polymer plate of David's cool. um, of the poem, just just to show sort of how cool. he um, how he worked. Yeah. Basically, like he would go through and he would write. This was like his editing process. He he wrote and then he's circling the sounds and like like showing you where he's working and and kind of his method for for constructing the poem which I like his notebooks are really interesting if you've ever seen like the the notebooks that he's that he's writing poems and he's really working them and he's yeah. really going through and he's he, he's you know he puts it up there's the idea and then he's working the sound like, yeah and 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 that was always like super impressive to me about his work how how much attention he had to detail. In terms of like interior rhymes, not just and there's stuffs going through, and I, I mean it makes a difference when you when you go through and you read people's work and they pay that much attention. Yeah, they know where it's supposed to hit. The music is in there. Talk a little bit about page size. You know, the, the one thing that I mean, this isn't this isn't is this no, this is Red Dragonfly. Yeah, that's I mean, that, and that's the person that's Scott King. I I, I um that's who I did my apprenticeship with. Awesome, bring yeah, a gorgeous one of his books. Yeah, really, I mean, really nice. And, and he does simple paper on the inside. You know? Yeah, he just does. That's he uses Mohawk, which is part of the reason I ended up using Mohawk. Yeah, um, yeah. I just I, I I worked worked with them, and it was just such a it was like 
beautiful paper. It has a nice feel to it. And Joseph just showed me uh, what was the cornfield or what? What's the yeah, guy's name? Yeah, I don't remember the name was, but yeah, this is like a California press from the seventies, and they were using mohawk. You know? And, 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 and like, the paper looks beautiful. Yeah, even it still now, looks like good. it's it's just like it's held up. It's I have like, that. I have that collection of swatch books in my studio. Yeah, and it's all like. 60s, 70s, 80s swatch books. No, yeah. like, I have like a hundred of them. Yeah. And it's like, oh my god, I wish they still had this astro bright parchment, you know, like mm-hmm. neon pink parchment paper. I'm like, oh, I want this. You know? Oh, Cornfield was the author's name. Yeah. Uh, the press was... It, oh, it was in Montana. I was, forget. Yeah. Was it? I think, no, I think the press was California, huh? I was wondering why you're saying Somewhere Maybe I'm wrong. There. I don't know what There's I did with it. There's somewhere down there said something about Missoula, Good. Montana. Talk about paper size. It's like, you know, aside from this red dragonfly one, which I think is pretty close to, you know, it's like, I want to just sort of talk, you know, to our yeah. listeners. The idea that, like, you know, what we're looking at here, and a lot of times this happens with letterpress, or a lot of happens with um, the, the aesthetics of bookmaking and, and a handmade book, is, uh, for me at least, I can say... Um, I've never done a statement size book. Statement yeah. being, you know, it'd be five and a half by eight and a half. Yeah. I've never done one for anyone because I yeah. always, I always just cut off, you know, at the, at the very least, yeah. I cut yeah. off a half an inch on the bottom and, or quarter inch on the bottom top yeah. and make it, you know, like our paper size eight and a half by 11 is like this arbitrary constraint mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and it, it's not, it's not golden mean. It's not pretty. It doesn't have, you know, um, it doesn't have nice proportions. You know what yep. I mean? Yep. Even nine by twelve, or like you know, even yeah. even like a nine by twelve or whatever uh, this would be, something like that, is like the, the the proportions. I'm looking at like five, six books on the table here, and all the stuff that you did. None of it is the same, yep. and none of it is a standard fold, a half fold. So let's that, talk about the fact that, that, that you've reinvented the book every time. <laughs> like well, every that, time. No, and that's that's exactly what I said earlier, talking about letterpress and working with poems and working with authors. Like, you get their poems, and you read their poems. And then, what do you... Like, poets don't really want to have their lines broken, right? right. So you may need to have more width on the book. Yeah. And then, if there's poems, then, like, let's say you've got 20 poems, and all of them are relatively long, but they're not super, super long. So then if you have them on two pages, then you've got three lines on the second page. And it kind of loses the feeling. So maybe you want to make the book a little more. Oh, and it drives me nuts in the mass market paperbacks. That convent. Well, but when people have longer lines and it's that convention of just like you indent the part that carries over and it looks like shit. So that was always. (laughs) Like, so with Joseph's Pool Hall Quartet, like the poems. The Uh poems were, I mean, they're more in like a prose book, but when I saw them, they were all, they ran across the page. And I liked how they looked. And so I just wanted to give him more space to go back and forth. Sure. Chunky paragraphs, you know, yeah. these, like, more, yeah. And then, like, his translations of Catullus, this is, like, the smallest of all the books. Yeah, just, they have pretty they, short lines. Everything was relatively yeah. dense. Yeah. So, and and, and the poems that we, we picked for that book, for the most part, none of them, the ones that ran a couple of pages, we tried to put them in the middle. Yeah. So then they're yeah. just running side by side, and you weren't having to turn a page. Like, you could see them as the book was open. So that's really the point. Like with without without any of these things, it's based on like looking at the poems first, yeah, and then figuring out how they're best gonna fit on paper. Be presented, and then because yeah. like you said, like I'm not bound by an eight and a half by eleven sheet. I was, you know, then I can make my own decisions exactly, and, and then see how it looks. So is that harder for like? Say Dorado, where you have a combination of authors in there yeah, figuring out yeah, the yeah. size. Yeah, no, and that wasn't very fun. And that's why it's 
that's why it's kind of the biggest book of all of them, just because I needed, especially because a lot of the poems were fairly, like, long. Yeah. So I just, I wanted to be able to get as much of each poem onto a page as possible. Yeah. And that was a, that was a huge consideration, which, and there weren't as many poems that were super, super small. So it made it easier. So then people with something like four or five lines weren't going to be swallowed up by the page. Is it the same size as the first Dorado? That's what I was trying to figure out. No, it's a little bigger. It's a little bigger. Not much. No, No, it's just... It's the same size. No, it is. It's just the cover. That's just the cover. That's Cassie Dorado one. Yeah. I always love this cover. I I definitely have this in my collection. I I like that cover. I wish... It's also like doing... I don't know, Joseph, when you're making books, make us... When you're making books, if you have realized, like, down in the South, having a just not having a French fold on it and you've got like a paper cover everything just curls, curls back yeah. that's weird shit that so that humidity. was like, that was the other <laughs> yeah. thing like as I started making stuff everything I would do like the French fold I love the fold out in that though I mean yeah. that was nice that must have been a pain in the butt though um, well it would have been nice if I would have known how to tip <laughs> stuff in a little bit better that would have been and I, I wasn't very the first couple of copies of that I remember when I sold it at the book fair I had a couple of them come back because the cover fell off I didn't do a very good job <laughs> translated this yeah well that's that's i i i solicited him for that no that's i mean and i still would well when you get back to printing again yeah i have a manuscript from him of a large collection of those dotremont poems which are beautiful um and and the estate is given permission i started trying to put it together but i never and that's um, something that would be like that would be like the kind of project where you'd want to just go all out and buy the zircle yeah. And just like, yeah. And say like, I'm gonna go. <laughs> like, you would want to do like, uh, like Audubon's well, that like be, elephant folio, or but something that'd like be that. that'd be interesting, right? Because you could do, maybe you could just do plates, letterpress for all of the original things, and just uh, you know offset all the translations or something. It wouldn't be that complicated, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And letterpress cover or something, and yeah, but it would be neat. Yeah, I mean, those things are so beautiful. Uh, that was one of the things the Dutchman stuff. As far as that, like, uh, that was so striking for yeah. everybody. That yeah. was just, um, nobody knows what to do with those things. They, yeah, they look and at them and and maybe we can put an image of that, but yeah, it's Dotremont for for people who don't know, which I don't think he's very well known in English. His poems are in French, but they're written in this kind of strange script that almost looks like Arabic script or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know that I would be able to read that. I don't, and I, I but he, <laughs> without but he transliteration. Writes, the, the thing is, is that he writes like the, he writes the poems out under as well. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. So like, basically, it's like if you imagined like taking like Jackson Pollock action painting, yeah. but he's like he's not riffing off of like motion or sound. He's riffing off the shape of the letters. And so he's kind of like actiony, like going through the it's, letters. I mean, like, it's, it's it's amazing, but yeah, I don't even know. Talk about visual poetry that I don't think anyone's ever done anything like that. Well, <laughs> maybe yeah, Japanese poems, but no, I'm saying like yeah, it's like a scenic the, writing. And the poems, yeah, are, and the poems yeah. are good. It's like to me, like when you just sort of like write in the non-language, but it is language. But, but you can see like if language you shapes, if you pieces. look at like you can see some of the letters there. Totally. Some like of them are easier go, to read than others. Like, yeah, you, there's a couple of J's and stuff like that that you can pick up, and like there's a few a few words here and there that you'll actually you'll actually catch. I wonder what order he did it in. I don't know. 
I wonder if he wrote the text first or if he started doing the shapes and then I, I made think, the text out of the I shapes. Mean, he like writes the text to the, yeah. the, the bottom really small. Yeah. Thing, so maybe he like, I would think that he would start with the text and then just like did these but, triptychs. But know. it could be the other way. Yeah. Because I mean, he is fairly yeah, surrealist, ulipo ish. I think he was like a little bit involved with ulipo, right? I don't know. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember exactly because I know there's uh, Tulane Library has one or two. There, like he he has a couple of little like some people have done some small collections of his books. Yeah, or yeah. his work. I mean, you you find like that little art book. There, 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 I know that there's one in the Tulane Library because I went up there when I was making this, and I, I was looking all over to see if anybody else had done anything with him, like book wise. And so I was looking for things to for examples and. They've got something small, but it's it's like glossy paper and more or less uh, photographs of the, yeah, the actual, yeah. The actual work. So I don't know. Letterpress is perfect for that, though. No, it's, it really it's is because it gives it kind of it gives it its feeling back again in some weird yeah. way, which I don't just, know how else you would do that. Just around. need like really bright white paper. Yeah, like, yeah. Got a nice soft feel to it, and just smack that in there, and people will be very excited to open a book like that. Definitely. Yeah, there's a certain you know there's a certain feel to it, and uh, the call you know it's like it, it's a time thing. It's a labor of love. I think making letterpress books is really that's what it is. It's a labor of love because you know unless you unless you're getting some uh, super expensive commission to do something, um, yeah, poetry wise, which occasionally happens, but not yeah. very often. Yeah. Um, I wonder. I, I always wonder. Does poetry that was printed in letterpress survive longer than that that wasn't? And I kind of suspect maybe it does because people hold on to that stuff, right? Like you're not going to throw away true, a yeah. nicely beautiful book with this nice paper, mm-hmm. even if you're like, well, no, you're not going to throw it away. Where, you know, that's the thing with these mass market paperbacks. It's like that's fine and you can make a lot of them and, and distribute that to a lot of people, but you know, it feels kind of disposable. Yeah, I be I do I'm pretty critical of that uh, idea of this sort of, you know, create space, you know, which yeah. is essentially, you know, if people don't know this, create space is owned by Amazon. Yeah. And you know, I don't think it always was. I think uh, I think it, it wasn't at one point. I think it was a, a just a POD print on demand company mm-hmm. that was ultimately gobbled up by Amazon at some point in the last ten years or a little bit longer ago. And you know, uh, the quality of and I'm not going to say I think they've gotten a little better. And I think like now you can get like a matte cover and you can get like a, a there's a little more options off yeah. white paper. But I think that if you, I think that the matte cover off white paper books, they look better, they feel better, they're a little, you know, especially agree, bigger yeah. ones. But for a long, for a while, uh, I just saw like a lot of like smaller little kind of books come out from CreateSpace, like smaller format, mm-hmm. and just the covers just curl up. And well, the matte is better; it doesn't curve, curl up as curl much. much and, but it has but. to do with the, how they. How it's just like it's a. It's a machine that's kicking that out, you know. Yeah. And it, and and when somebody orders one of those from Amazon, they're just making one, you know. And they're and then they're like print on demand. They're just sending it off. Well, I think the original idea behind those, right, was it was just like a miss. 
Well, it's, pre- it's POD. It's, it's a- yeah, but I think they like guessed wrong at where the industry was heading, right? I think they envisioned... That's why there were so much limited options. I think they originally were envisioning, like, we're going to be at a point where people just go to the bookstore, order a book, and a machine prints the book, which people tried they, they to do, that, tried to do for a while, but that didn't really work as a model in any sort of way. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of funny, too, right? It's like the thing that happened with like all the digital stuff, at least in my mind... Is it like when I go to a bookstore now? It's like if you're going to print a book, you should mean it now, right? Like, because it's like you can, if you just want to get like the dime novel, there's not really. Yeah, then you just any, read it on an e reader if you're going to yeah, do there's that. No there's no, the no reason. Novel. That's, that's, the, new, yeah. that's the, yeah. the dime novel. So is the, is the, it's is the e reader, right? E-reader. So, like, if you're going to, if you're a company and you're like, I'm going to make a book, books are objects, right? So, you're, you're going to make a pretty object. Like, they've got that. The drop cap series that Penguin does. Oh, yeah, yeah. All these book yeah, images, yeah. And they've, they've got it even designed out so it's like the colors of the rainbow and it's supposed to like, it's supposed to like yeah, the whole series. nice enough looking for yeah, what they but are. What I'm you know? yeah, is yeah. That people are trying to construct, like at least the, the larger publishers and stuff well, like that. But yeah, but that's what I'm they, saying. I think they just totally guessed wrong about where the, yeah. where the technology was going. They're like, oh, it's cheaper and now we're just going to print cheap books. Yeah. And they didn't think like, well, yeah, people who don't care about the book as an object are... Just, just gonna read this on their phone. Yep. Then I'll yep. give a shit That's about a having point. this on paper. Like, yep. Yep. <laughs> so they kind of, kind of, really misstepped on that. I think because what is, but then they kind of screwed up the whole industry in that misstep to some extent. Because now, but then you created this whole mechanics and machinery behind creating cheap books. But it's like there's no real market for cheap books. Yeah. No one wants that. The people who want to just read the shit are going to read it on their phone or their e-reader. They don't care about buying a cheap book. And mm-hmm. the people who enjoy having a physical book, I think you're right. I mean, and I think there's some recognition of that and those kind of things and trying to move in that direction. They want something that looks like a nice book. Most definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's the apparatus that's set up is like... You know, it's like um, you know, you make a cover to the to the formula and constraints of the the, the format you're you're using, and then you do the inside, and then you lay it out, and then you you know, it's like, and then you set it off, and then they send you a proof in five days, and then you know, it's like it's like so fast, and it's yeah. like you know, and it's set up that it's like they all get ISBN numbers, and I mean, I mean, the system I think is to, is 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 there to support a publisher who's publishing a lot of work and, and going for it, but I just don't know if at the end of the day, um, you know, I think it comes back to what you just said, is that if you're going to make a book, you should mean it. And I see this, like, standard format that, you know, I'm looking at your bookshelf, and I don't, I don't see a whole ton of that stuff on your shelf, Bienvenue, but there's, like, this there's standard... Well, some of it is. The standard book size... This is the fiction section, mostly, too. <laughs> Sorry, oh. The standard book size of, of poetry books... There's a thousand presses in America that use that, you know? Yeah, like, they don't break like, out of know? the same size. This is Wave, and they're using nicer paper than most people are and everything, but it's still, you know... I don't think Wave does. I don't think it's Wave still, does. It, they're not, because they're using nicer paper and things, but they're still doing the standard paper size. Because the thing is, honestly, even a lot of local presses that are not doing the things you're talking about with CreateSpace have pretty heavy constraints on the... On the on the book sizes, unless you're gonna unless you're gonna pay a premium for it, yeah. and most people are just like, well, no, I'd rather just stick with the standard thing. Do you think it's because of shelf space, like at bookstores? Do you think like some of that, like the larger stores, may dictate, like in terms of like 
Maybe they don't want to... I, I don't it's know. It's hard I mean, to like, imagine why that would be the case. Yeah. And that wasn't the case in the past, right? Like, I'm looking at... Let's just pull off three random books in a row here that are totally different subject matters. Yeah. Okay? They're all different sizes. I mean, they're similar sizes, I suppose. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, here's a sake book. But that's not the size of that. No, this is yeah. cool. I love this book. Here's a fast bender book. I think I like this book. Yeah. No, I think... I think Wave finds an interesting way of working in those constraints, yeah, but they do like have the same size. They have the same like, the same sort of size that any of those like things do. You know, it, you yeah. know, the cover has a look and feel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Dover Thrips. That's the size of the book. That's the size, the standard size of the book. But I love the Dover's Thrift. The the um. I don't know. This is smaller than most a little of bit. those books are now. Yeah, it's similar proportions, I suppose. But they've got their standard, you know, type of, like, you know, design, um, format, uh, Dover Thrift, or I was just thinking of someone else who does the same thing, you know. Yeah, I don't know, it's interesting to see, it's just all, like, constraint and size, it's just like, you know, it's just like, I guess it's not a big, that big of a deal, but... Well, it's just how it feels. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it seems like... And he's, I listened to y'all talking with Jeff Munsterman, and he was talking about, like, you know, spray painting covers and stuff like that. Yeah. Just do, like, I mean, an easy thing for people to do is probably to just get the guts printed somewhere, right? Just get the guts of the book printed at, at and, one of these companies, and then, and, and then take over on your own. No, and that's what Jeff right. did, and that's what right. Jeff did yeah. for all his books. And I, I mean, because that's the way to go. Like, cause then they, they I can think do that's it. probably what the majority of chapbook series for yeah. poetry in America do now. Yeah. Is yeah. is they get the guts printed somewhere and just do do covers, yeah. you know, yeah. which is a good way to go, yeah. Because I mean, really, the cover is is the thing that I mean. You once you pick your font and sort of lay it out on the inside, like you can make it look very distinct. Sure. And then if you do the cover, and if you if you have access to a letterpress, or you know, even if you want to, like, I mean, spray painting or whatever way that you want to do it, then you can make it look like your book. You don't have a copy of that Adam Parlor Limited, do you? I do. We were just looking at that earlier. Why not? So we so we took you know we took a, a locally printed quality quality paper. We chose all the paper. We chose the whole thing. Yeah. And those were about the same price as a Create Space book, but it was the quality. I think it was actually a little cheaper, but the quality of it was different. The quality was different, and I got to do a book proportion that I liked rather than some set. You know, and I mean, like a book that fits in your pocket is as good a reason yeah. for a book size That's too as like yeah. for palm yeah. size, right? I mean, like those are things like you you start to think like, well, I mean, I really like carrying around books and being able to read them when I go places, and it's easier to stick one in my pocket. It's a Absolutely, good reason yeah. for designing a book and having that size. No, no one's really doing that anymore. I mean, I feel like that was a lot of city lights. Yeah. kind of thing was I mean yeah. that's why people were buying those books a lot of times so like this mm-hmm. is an easy thing I can just stick it in my pocket oh the small city lights yeah, yeah. I think I, like I had Gregory Corso's Gasoline mm-hmm. and Howl and and, yeah. and, and they're doing like, it again have you seen their new oh I have one sitting here new directions the, the proportions are different yeah and, and well and Green Integer and yeah they do the small yeah new directions was style. sort of putting out like old stuff from their catalog repackaged but as like pocket sized books. Yeah. yeah. And I, I like those. It's a great those. idea. Yeah. I love that. Um, and just real simple covers that were, were beautiful. Because especially, if, I mean, if you're, especially if it's paperback, it's like, 
That's the whole point of it being paperback. It's not heavy. I want to be able to carry it around and not like have to take a bag with me everywhere yeah. to read the book I'm reading. Beat it up a little bit. I like that idea too. I mean, it's just like books should be in your daily life, right? Not just like when you're in bed. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's fine to read in bed, but you know. And that's yeah. sort of like some of the, you know, with, with the letterpress stuff too, that's the danger of it becoming too precious. And, you know, none yeah. of the books that I made or, or was selling were, I don't think I sold anything for over $15. No, I think even that like, crazy so, and, Dorado was yeah. only $15. Yeah. Which is insane. Cause. And <laughs> but, like, the whole point was, like, I knew the people that, like, I, like my friends, how much they would, would buy pay. it for. Yeah, could afford. And, and, like, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to, like, I never wanted to make these books so precious that people didn't want to read them. Right? I mean, that's... That, and that's the point. Like, I mean, people should feel comfortable taking one of the chapbooks and sticking it in, the, sticking it in their pocket. Yeah. Say, I mean, I paid 10 bucks for it. I like this book. It's fine if it gets beaten yeah. up. It's still, yeah. it, looks, it looks nice when it's beaten up, too. No, you're right. That is the danger with it sometimes. They become that's, museum pieces. Yeah. And it's like, well... I I had a couple of, of my books put in the historic New Orleans collection. Yeah. And it was so ridiculous because I came... I went there with, uh, with bag, you know, and they just... I just you know, picked up a few of the books and tossed them in my bag and I put them in there and uh, the guy comes out and puts on some gloves, you know, and starts and starts putting them in these little, <laughs> little, plastic, <laughs> little plastic sleeves cases <laughs> and takes them and puts them in a box and then wheels them off in a cart and I was like I was like, I don't feel like I am able to touch those wow. books anymore. Like it was just a funny <laughs> They're getting triage for surgery or something. Yeah, like. it was just, I mean, but you do understand because to preserve them no, for a I, longer time. Yeah. But yeah, but if but, that was the only way they existed, it would be kind but, of unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, when the books are yeah. printed originally, you're just like, What I want is for people to buy this book and I want people to read it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I always think like I always think about like um people who make these um, you know, beautiful hand bound uh, Blank journals, mm-hmm. and then you go. You know, it's like you go, and it's like, oh, that's eighty-five dollars. Yeah, and you're like, wow, eighty-five bucks for a hand-bound journal uh-huh. that has nothing in it. Yeah, you know? but I mean, it's because it's the time and the paper and the cost. Yeah, of, yeah. But then you open up the page and you start wondering if like it's worth it to actually like write. Can I write on this? Yeah, should I write on this with a freaking one dollar with a with a two-dollar pen? Uh, then you gotta go buy a nice pen. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta think real hard so your thoughts are more precious. I mean, I think that there's. A, I think that. I'm all about having a nice journal to write in. I think that mm-hmm. there's a, I think that there, there isn't something nice about having a nice pen and a nice journal to write in. Uh, I don't know if I would ever spend a hundred dollars on a book, though. Honestly, uh, like a book, not like a book with a, a blank book. I would spend a hundred dollars on a really nice book with a lot of content. Yeah, in it. yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, I think like the whole thing with the other weird thing is the whole thing that's nice about having nice paper and and a nice cover and everything is it's very tactile. Mm-hmm. So it seems very opposite the whole process to then be like, don't touch it unless you put gloves on. <laughs> like you, you can, yeah. you don't get to experience it really for exactly. what the entire point. Yeah, was. I think that that's you know that's a, that's a that's a collection that's an archivist you know type. Yeah, of well, thing. I know it's an extreme example. Yeah, sure. that's, that's I mean, and, and it is for the purpose of preserving them. Obviously, mm-hmm. not every copy of those books is in a. Yeah, I mean, my collection, my, but, yeah. My copy of the the book from Lujan Press, the the Ken Patchen edition, like I've never like put it away anywhere. Like I have I have a bookcase that's like a little nicer than my standard case, but sure. like but 
I mean, the whole reason I wanted that thing was that I, I wanted to steal ideas from everyone. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> so that's I, wanted, I wanted to just pitch through and steal all their ideas. That was the whole idea. That book is like a feast for anyone who's interested in art books and color and paper and bibliophilia uh, as far as, like, I mean, I can't think of another edition of uh, a journal, hand-printed, hand-made, than The Outsider. I mean, that right there, yeah. one through five, is like one through three, one through three, and four, five, double, is like a quintessential, like, I mean, it, it has everything. It has, mm-hmm. it has wood cuts, it has photo blocks, it has cut, it has other cuts, it has odd cartoons, cartoons weird drawings, <laughs> illustrations, and like tons of different types of paper, and mm-hmm. deco edges, and weird inserts, and tipped in photos, and you know, you name it as far as like, yeah, that's an interesting idea of thing. You know, I mean, I've definitely done the same as like use those sort of things as playbook uh, or steal ideas from, um, you know, older, older style of books, mimeograph era books and um, different sort of handmade, uh, hand produced. You know, there's there's a lot of cool books out there from that specific era, you know, mm-hmm. and I think it came out of um, it came out of I guess it came out of like. Uh, uh, I mean, at least the chapbook idea. You don't see too many. Uh, I just got a weird collection of chapbooks. I just like got on eBay. It was super cheap. It was like ten bucks, but it was all a bunch of like beautiful handmade chapbooks from like the thirties. Mm-hmm. But uh, you don't. I mean, but really going back even a little bit further than that, or it was maybe from the forties. I don't think it's there. Maybe it's not from the thirties. I think they're from the forties. Maybe maybe the thirties, but late thirties, early forties. But I, th- I want to say like. You don't see too much ephemera like that going back too, too far, you know? I think the idea of the chapbook or the idea of, like, a, a small edition of something, I think everything before that was, like, bound and wrapped, you know? Mm-hmm. Was a, well, even, like, people, like, early printing, like, the, the book binders and the printers weren't combined, right? People would get their sheets. Yeah. Like, you get you, yeah. you get your pages for your book. Then you take your book to get bound. Yeah. So like binding, it wasn't like you're getting an edition. You weren't getting like this whole edition of the exact same cover. You're taking it to a bookbinder, and the bookbinder's binding your personal books in the way that you want. Yeah. Yeah. So like that's, I mean, that's a real difference too, right? I mean, <clears throat> I heard, I heard there's like a little secret too about like uh, getting your book reviewed. That uh, that there's uh, there's a, there's this little thing about getting your book reviewed if you're like a fiction writer, or, like. If you really want to get your poetry book reviewed by like a, a larger site to review, is that you make a you make a limited hardback edition and okay. you send it because these reviewers get you know they get thousands of books I'm sure a month mm-hmm. and they're looking through these books and they're and they're like uh, the create space stuff I think they just throw that in a stack in the corner or whatever like whatever never it never leaves their office but I think if they get like a beautiful hardback edition cloth edition is anyone reviewing books anymore? Yeah, people are. Uh, <laughs> on occasion. Yeah, good question. There's some, there's some places out there, but... Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, a, a handcrafted, handmade book really goes a long way. It's a currency, I think, for poets these days, you know? There, and I think there's still a, a, an active, alive um, group of poets out there right now who are still interested in this type of currency. Yeah, I think... And, you know, letter... Like, I was just... To kind of jump with that, letterpress is so perfect for poetry too, because, like, you know, the the ideal of the printer is is to not be noticed, right? Um, you're you're not supposed to 
nobody's supposed to say, oh, that's like, you're not supposed to notice the printing. And when you do, it's bad printing, right? People usually notice mistakes. Yeah. And what you're, you're just like making stuff, like you want to make books and then people open the book and then they think like, oh, this is exactly how it's supposed to be. Sure. Like you're just trying to create the environment for the poem. So yes. it's just like the poem and the, and the actual form of it unify. And so it's just like there's no other way for it to have ever been. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's yeah. kind of and, and the 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 printer is not supposed to be noticed. That's that's the yeah. Idea. It's not the printer's book. The, it's the book. The, 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 the book is the author's, and so it's just like oh, that's how that that's how that book is. That's how that's how Joseph Bienvenu's Catullus book is. Like you know, I mean, that's that's the form that it's supposed to take, and that's that's really the. Um, I think that that's part of like the slow process too, is you can try and figure out and do your best. I mean, it's generally it doesn't succeed, but. It's nice to try and figure out a way to, to get in the back and, and bring out the best in the subject matter. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely, yeah. I think it's yeah, it's the job of the, the printer to um, to raise up the work. Yeah. So, if we have any poets out there listening, yeah. huh, how, you know, maybe they uh, have some stuff they want to print. How, how should they find their local hermetic printer? <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I I don't even know uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to locate myself sometimes. So you're looking for for this local hermetic picture. I mean, the, the, readings are always a good place, right? It's just, I mean, that's how I found poets. I I think the people who want to print stuff, you know, are looking for are the looking poets. for yeah. people that they want to print their work. Yeah, I, I, and there's there's not like a there's not a lack of good. The last time I went to one of the book fairs, it's been a few years, but I was just like impressed with how good everybody is. That I mean, there's like a lot of really really highly skilled printers in in New Orleans. Like I mean, Friedrich, like his book blew me. Yeah, we've got this small fires press uh, feeling feelings using wolves book that Friedrich put out, uh, it looks like 2010, so just, just not, you know, just a few years back here. Um, really elaborate, really complicated, super, super fucking nice paper. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he's, you know, he's a classically trained, you know, printer. Uh, really, really nice execution and just elaborate and, but also at the same time, not over the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, and real subtle uh, and, uh, and doing some cool stuff with printing that you don't usually see is uh, colored uh, illustrations on the inside uh, at the at the front and the beginning, like kind of like his end sheets, uh, front and end sheets, but kind of stand on their own as an illustration. They're they're not even the front and end sheets because that's right here, and there's just these cool illustrations to open and close. Yeah, Friedrich's doing good good stuff. There's a there's a there's a whole handful of uh, printers. Uh, you know, books wise, I mean, you know, John Fitzgerald does some books and. And he does um, beautiful work too. Yeah, he does beautiful work. Yeah. He doesn't do as many, he doesn't do as books, many books as, as he does yeah. other he's stuff. Done a but yeah, he, but his printing, printing is, yeah. his printing is great. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just isn't there like a community print shop? Yeah, um, which, there is. Yeah, last screen print. Well, that's more like a yeah. That's there's they've but got they, a lot of processes, but, they have but yeah, a lot of press. No, they didn't. They get well, oh, never mind. They don't so go, to, go, to, go to Mikos then. That's that's they gave, yeah, you're talking about <laughs> nine by twelve. Yeah. Yeah, they gave it to me. Well, but some of our listeners are not local. I'm just saying, yeah, you know. Um chips. but I think going to readings that's a good idea, right? Like, well, yeah, that's right. probably good to do anyway. Or I bought seven chases for it, by the way. Or nine or eight chases for that thing. It really? 
Yeah, so you just load that. You got all sorts of. Furniture. No, I, I haven't printed on it. I always long, forget long that it's time. like yeah. literally it's three blocks away from your place. I always feel like it's further away. No, it's remember, like it's right there. Move. Remember, we recorded. Yeah. You know, uh, Chris. Uh, no, but I mean, I always forget the community print shop is so oh, close so to you. I always away, forget yeah. that it's right there, even though I don't know. They're why. screen yeah. printing. That's their. That's their. Okay. That's their focus completely on screen printing and a dark room. Yeah. It's well, been maybe, years since I've been in there. Maybe, guess, especially but, with yeah. college students that are that are poets, they should walk down the hallway or, or find wherever the art department is. Sure. And I guess going like, to if like they, if they haven't already, they should go to the art department. And I guess I guess Kitchens has got a good setup now. They you know they have a new art building over there at Loyola. Oh yeah, they have a nice yeah nice center. But I yeah universities are good places. But I guess obviously the obvious thing we didn't say, huh? Go to your local zine fairs, book fairs. And see what's there, because that's probably the best place. You can just yeah. see what people are doing and be like, hey. And even, you know? I always um, tell people, like, bring me a couple books that you like. Yeah. That maybe you won't, maybe you don't want an element of every book, but may, or maybe you don't, I'm sorry, maybe you don't want this book exactly, but maybe you like the layout of this book, and you like yeah. the cover of this book, and you like something else this book is doing, mm-hmm. the size of this book, and bring those sort of elements together, you know? I think one of the things I did when I was in Cleveland was... You know, I opened up a phone book and I looked for printers and I was very aware of all these different little sort of small runs. Like, oh, who's the Sunday press? And who's, who's Orange Blossom? And who's these? And I, and I would go and walk in. I would walk into those shops or call them and come in and I would be like, oh, what you got going on in the back? You know, and then, and then I would talk my way into like little tours. And then next thing you know, once you start talking your way into tours of these little print shops, you go into the back back room and there's like, there's like a five by eight C and P back there. I'm like, oh, we don't even use that anymore. And yeah. and, and, a, and a whole case and a whole. Type well, that's case. a whole different discussion. Type case of, yeah, that's about know. how to build your own printing press Sorry, because yeah, the people mean. always have those things sitting around. They're not using it anymore. But, the, and the, but I uh, guess the other yeah. the other way is to go to bookstores. I mean, the way that I found um, Danny Kerwick. Yeah, bookstores too. That's true. I, I, I found out about Danny Kerwick and uh, at uh, McKinnon's. Yeah. yeah, like because he had a there's a box. And they Although I hate to say that's probably less possible anymore than it used to be. Bookstores I mean, are, I mean, they still ex- there's, there's still bookstores doing bookstores that stuff, but not as much. Yeah, some, they'll, they'll yeah. have like a couple of local. Yeah, and just yeah. open up the book and look in the back and the call phone and and then see who it is and then look that up. And yeah, like, when, I, when I go to book fairs and I, you know, like a book fair I've never been to, you know, like um, we're about to go to, uh, I'm about to go to the one in uh, the the. There's an now there's a, there's a new, there's an offsite book fair at the AWP okay. in yeah, Tampa yeah. next yeah. month. Nice. So I'm um, I'm going with Megan and uh, it's called Whale Prom, and we're gonna oh, go check that, out yeah. this offsite book fair. You know, yeah. when, I, when I go to any big event or a book fair I've never gone to, I always I always um I always I always I always try to I always try to find hand printed visual poetry, and I usually come back with nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any handmade books? Anyone doing handmade chat books, visual poetry? But I always ask that when I go to a well, visual book. poetry is a hard thing I to know. find in general. I know, thing. I know. Yeah. But I ask, like, are there anyone making books locally? Are there anyone making things? And I guess I think the best advice is to like open up the phone book and see who are the presses, who are the different, you know, print. Man, presses. people don't got phone books no more. Call around. <laughs> There's not how else still put a phone book. They do, but I, get a phone book. Uh, I don't know that everyone's putting their ad in it. Is your shop in the phone book? No. All right. I don't want to be in the I rest my kids. My shop was. Don't go to the phone book. You're not going to find anything. But they're out there. There's, there's a lady still doing There's a lady named... 
No, they are out there, but that's... Getting Barnard, who's still but I guess a small run offset in the CBD. But I know what you're saying. Yeah. I do think in the phone book you will find those weird, right. like, those Did ones that are left over from... They've been doing it for decades and have somehow, mm-hmm. somehow are still viable as a business. Those are in the phone book, I guess. Yeah. The ones that you don't realize even exist, but... Sure. People who have letter presses are still in the phone book because they believe in print, probably. <laughs> well, I mean, I think if you actually look it up on, on like, print, printing in New Orleans, I think, like, all these new printers that, well, new, I say, like, but these printers who have moved to town in the last five years, five to ten years, it's really been five years. Because I think at one point in time, you know, about when I first moved to town, it was like you... John, yeah, there was I got not many. Press yeah. the boards. There, there, there was, was maybe not, a couple more people there around. Not many people. There weren't very many people mm-hmm. uh, at, that were printing. And but now everyone's on Google. You know, if you type in letterpress, I think you come back with like you know you come back with a handful of people down in the Bywater community who are yeah. printing. And you know, our, our friends and you see John, you see Friedrich, you see Jessica Peterson. Up, you know, yeah, there's a lot more going on. Wasn't it hot iron press? They were they were down they're, there. They, they, you know, I've been in their shop. They don't they don't print anymore, but they oh. have a giant shop behind their house. Yeah, full of stuff. They did so many cool. They did like all they these performance cool print things. I remember um, I saw a video for one that they they did a printing of somebody's balance beam act, and they turned the balance beam into the actual printing press, and so. Um, I don't know the woman's name who was part of Hot, Hot Iron. She like Kyle and Jenny Bravo. So she Jenny must, must have danced across the balance beam to make the print. Hmm. Like I th- and then they did like the face off action. All their stuff was so cool. I was always just I was like always admired their work a whole yeah. bunch. So, but I mean, it seems like there's people around for sure. I found the the place that I did my apprenticeship just kind of randomly. You know, I just um, actually my mom found it. She wandered into this. Uh, this place in Red Wing, Minnesota, and and there happened to be a printing press, and she knew I was interested in poetry and printing, so I just kind of sent this guy a message and told him I would work for free. Yeah. And if you just, I'm like, hey, can I come up for a couple of months? I'll sweep your shop if you show me some things. That's right. That was that was it. He let me and work for free, and then <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that's exactly the way. Just ask somebody. Tell me you'll work for free. Tell them that you'll uh, sort type for them. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and then there you go. Then you'll get a get a person who's willing to let. And that's I printed the first book. He, that was like the two months working for him was the the payment was I got to print a book. What book was that? Uh, I did a book of it was my own poem. It was called The Father and Son. I think I have a copy of it around. Really? It also has lines on it. Too. <laughs> <laughs> lines. Oh, your line method. Your yeah. Line, and for some reason, there's lines on it. Oh, holding it together it like your framing of the page. Right. I know. That's kind of what you're doing, right? Kind of yeah, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Yeah. Cool. Oh, I remember seeing this. <laughs> yeah. I definitely remember seeing this. This I, gorgeous paper. This greasy yellow. Yeah. And I think it, I can't remember what's in there. It might be mohawk. There's, there's a call. There's a probably a very detailed call font in the back. <laughs> <laughs> You're like I am I had, going. To I work. had a I had a lot of energy as far as uh, setting that call font. Dante metal type. Yeah. Book from Saint. Cuthbert's Mill, England. The rappers are not really, not really that, not really, not really that complicated. No, pretty simple. Okay, good. Yeah, I was worried about it for a minute. I don't have a copy of it anymore. I don't think. Oh well, do you want that copy? No, that's all right. I, I think my mom has a copy. I but that's one. well, okay. I mean, I. I I'm I'm perfectly I'm perfectly fine. With I like having it because nice. it reminds me of you, but it you was should, probably you, more meaningful to no, you, you should, than it would be to should, me. You should keep that. <laughs> 
That's a gorgeous little book, though. I mean, it's just like yeah, that was. You know, it, it has it has like uh, I love the size and uh, simple and the lines. Of course, there's the lines. I don't make those. I don't know if you just like when you're printing. Do you, do you generally freak out as you're finishing a book, and uh, and think about how terrible it is? Because uh, like as I was printing, like I had a couple of freakouts because it was the first book I had ever put together, and I was just like, this is so awful, and I was just you know embarrassed. Are you talking about my own book? No, I'm talking. I don't, I, I, I'm talking about any books you print because generally, like any of these books, it just is always at the end of it. I'm I'm just disappointed and freaked out. I, it takes me like a week to feel okay about. I, that. I I do I do have a weird thing right as I'm I do have a weird thing right as I'm like staring at like the cover paper, the end sheets, and the guts, the gut the gut paper for this for the, for the, for the book, mm-hmm. and I'm like ready to like proof it, and then I make my mock my I make like a bl- I make like a blank dummy book. Mm-hmm. And then I do a mock-up, and then I always make sure I edit the mock-up. Yeah. Because you, there's all sorts of shit that happens when you look at the book when it's printed. You're like, oh my god, I didn't catch that, or it doesn't look right on the page. But I hit a point where like I have my, I have everything ready to go, and I'm ready to print the book, and I'm like, should, should I do it? Am I ready? I don't know. Like I have this moment where I'm like, I don't know, is it ready? Yeah. Like, even the other day when I was printing this girl's book, I was like, I got to the final point, and I was like, I was like cutting the last cut. I was like, I did the. I did the top and bottom and the face cut, and I'm cutting. I should have cut. I'm doing the spine cut, and I'm thinking, should I leave it an extra quarter of an inch just for the binding? And I'm like, and I, I message her. She's like, no, just run it. It's perfect as it is. The size I. She's like, it's the size I want. Would you do a seven by seven book? Um, and uh, but I was like, I was like, I waited till the final moment. I was like, okay, do I need to cut the last? You know, I, there's always something about the book that I'm like, right when it's about to manifest itself, I always second guess something. So I understand what you're saying. There's always a weird feeling about some, yeah. some part of it, right? Is it yeah. right? Is it's ready to right? Is it's really ready to come into its own? And I'm like, I always second guess. So. It's also funny with books too, and I was I think like for any poets or any people interested in making their own books, it's like when you haven't made them before. There's something about like you look at a book, you're like, wow, that's so complicated. I don't know how a book could ever come into existence by my hands. And then it's like when you print a book, all of a sudden you put a cover on it and throw a couple of stitches in it, and then it's a book. Yeah. And it's just like, and you realize that it's a very straightforward, simple process. There's nothing like mystical or anything like that. But but there is something really wonderful. Like once the cover's on, the stitches are there, and it's all tied up. You're like, it's a whole different you're thing. Like, you're like, it's a book. It's yeah. Yeah. I think, like, just I think people, sheets of paper. I think the thing that, that it's like freaks. Well, I make that dummy book, you know, and I think like you know you have to know it's multiple. You know, it's like. I remember, I think so. I think maybe someone recently was like, they sent me a book and it was like 21 pages. And I was like, I told you it has to be multiples of four. Like, I can't be a page book, you know? Unless I'm, like, unless I'm like, unless I'm booklet stapling it, you know, like old, yeah. like that style where it's just like more of a perfect bind booklet stitch rather than like a, a, a stab stitch. But like, it can't be 21 pages, it's got to be multiples of four, you know? Well, that's just like, simple logic, though. No, I know, but I bet like people don't think about this, you know? They're just like, they. Sometimes, like, so I'm either you got to lose a page or you got to add three, you know? It's like, okay, we can add a couple white pa- blank pages here and there. Yeah, that's funny. I, I think I, it, there is a magic to it. I think I think there are people who, um, I think uh, people who are just making their book for the first time, they're, they're, they have a hard time mentally managing the, you know, um, the idea of, like, okay, if this is, this is page one, okay, then that means that this is page 20 in the back. Mm-hmm. And then this is page two, and then this is page twenty-three. Well, well I have trouble managing it. No, I, I know. So like that, <laughs> you know, when you understand that, you can the folding, like the idea of like like the, the like building the book, like folding it. In half. Well, 
actually, like, I've made, like, I don't know how many dummy books I've made where I write one and then flip it over two on the, you know, 24 (laughs) on the back. Just make sure you got it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Make sure you got it. And then, and then, like, but, but that's not the page numbers. That's just how the book, you know, says. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it depends on how you do yeah. the book because if you like, I don't know. It doesn't seem like a lot of your books. Maybe Toronto's got page numbers. Right? But that's the I, oh, I think that's yeah, the Durano that's the funny thing. Does you remember that, Peter? The crazy shit that happened with the original Adam Parler, right? Um, no, I don't remember. You have to. Tell do you remember me. how there's a blank page opposite every poem? Oh man, yeah. Because in the Blaze Box edition, <laughs> because Gatsa emailed me and he's like. Oh, we have a problem. I've been talking to the New York State District Attorney, but he can't help us out. That's how he starts the email, and I'm like, what the (laughs) fuck? (laughs) And he's like, yeah, I've been using this printer for years, and it's never been a problem before, but now he tells me I can't print on the spine if it's less than 120 pages. And this book is less than 120 pages. So he's like, we've either got to like come up with some kind of illustrations or something. Because if we don't make 120 pages, they won't print on the spine. It'll just be a blank spine. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> no, I don't know. If Peter can print so then we had to, so then I was just like, well, I don't want to do illustrations. I was like, just put a blank page opposite everyone. But I mean, yeah, you get weird. Who knows? I wasn't ambitious enough to print on the other spot. No, I, I, yeah, 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 no, no, that's fine. I was just seeing Well, like, I, like I the think Toronto on the original Dorado, it's kind of nice because like it's got that wraparound. Also, yeah. Yeah. Um, Salamander, I printed it in the European style on the spine. Uh, Maggie McCune pointed that out to me. I think that American yeah. books yeah, yeah, go, yeah. go down yeah. the European. I notice it all the time. I have certain ones on my shelf, and I'm like, oh, it kind of annoys me. It goes the opposite way. Some gobs can go down. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think... It's um, there's like these constraints, right? Like getting back to the paper size. It's like every program about anything you've ever been to, it's eight and a half by eleven folded in half. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think if you trip that up for people and you change that, it really changes the experience of it. It's like makes it more, yeah, potentially more elegant. You know? I mean, and, and with the printing press, especially, like I mean, when you've got the constraints of a, a a regular printer, right, like an inkjet or a laser printer or something like that. I mean, that's what the tray is taking. Right, it's yeah. like eleven by seven. But you can always cut it after, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. No, and um, it's just it's easier just to say, "Oh, I'm just going to work with this." But a letterpress, I mean, you know, I you don't have that constraint at all. Yeah, I, yeah. I was bound by the. I think the letterpress was fifteen by twenty five inches, yeah. basically. So that was my constraint. Sure, just fitted into that, and you can you can do whatever size, basically. So that was um, that was the thought. It, it frees you up in that way because it's you know, I mean, there's there's no logic to doing eight and a half by eleven. There's no reason that you should. Yeah, exactly. They're all kind of you know re- re- reinvent each book for its mm-hmm. for what you got the paper and the and the content and everything. You sort of like building it. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Did you have any uh, things we didn't cover that you wanted to talk about? Um, not in particular. No, no. Did y'all have anything that you wanted to cover? <laughs> yeah, I think that was great. Uh, yeah. Thank you for joining yeah, us. Thanks so much, guys. Yeah. It was great. I mean, it's really nice. It's been a long time since. Do you I have any book on the? Do you have anything on the radar right now? Are you, do you um, have anything that you're? Thinking? I mean, like I don't even like distant radar. Like, but that's just like imagination radar. Like, yeah. No, I'm just curious if you have if there's anything that you um. No, I mean I don't have anything coming out. I just I'm, I I print all the time, but I just yeah yeah I print wedding invitations for, for a living. <laughs> um, um, 
uh, I've got. I'm doing a book for my father-in-law, who's a who's a poet at some point soon, hopefully. Nice. Get on that, and then um, I don't know. Hopefully, um, those little free libraries. I'm, I'm at some point. I just want to start doing um, some books just to stick in the free. All libraries. right, put some in mine. I would. Good. Yeah, that's. I just kind of. I just uh, as time goes on, that's that's a goal that I have. I've got a bunch of uh, cardstock cut down for covers. That's a good idea. No, that'd um, be nice. Yeah. And just I, I, the plan is to just uh, no press name and just put in. Um, there's a there's a guy in Sacramento who does those little but he's got a bookstore and he does um, just these beautiful little tiny little books and he just leaves them places and people find them and I, I, those free libraries are the perfect source for yeah yeah that's a good thing me. so hopefully cool. if if if, uh, if anybody hears this and they want to steal that idea please steal it great yeah, yeah. Just, just stick some, some books in those free libraries aren't just, just like the standard book, book like a mystery novel yeah that's it. Well, thank you, Peter. Yeah, this was good talking to you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> this has been another episode of No Good Poetry. <laughs>